0: Section 41 of the Macdermots of Ballycloran This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Lynn Thompson the Macdermots of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope section 41 the prisoner's defense part 2 I must now tell you a few particulars respecting that estate and Though of course you cannot receive as evidence what I tell you still this course will be necessary as I shall thereby Be enabled to explain to you my object in obtaining answers to certain questions Which I have asked or shall ask the answers to which you will take as evidence in the time of the prisoner's grandfather a house was built on this estate by a mr. Flannelly Of this town and the price of the building not having been paid this man the builder Obtained a mortgage on the estate for the amount of the debt This is still due though the house as you have heard is falling to the ground And it has been so increased by interest not paid up and by legal charges That it has completely embarrassed the present proprietor Who is even now unable to leave his house for fear of arrest? Mr. Keegan whose name has often come before you in the evidence and who by-and-by will be examined himself Is the son-in-law of this mr. Flannelly and owns as I have no doubt I shall be able to prove to you the whole interest in the estate of Ballycloran arising from this mortgage The prisoner's time since he ceased to be a boy has been employed in futile endeavors to satisfy the legal claims of this man and I shall prove to you by most undoubtable evidence that his industry in this object has been unceasing and That his conduct as a son and a brother has been beyond all praise But he has failed times have been against him Legal costs have so swelled the legal interest as to consume the whole rents Those rents he has been unable to collect and his life has been one manful struggle against poverty and mr. Keegan And I could not wish my worst foe two more inveterate enemies Some few days before usher's death and now I am going to confine myself to that which I am in a position to prove Mr.. Keegan called on the McDermott's for the purpose of proposing certain terms for the adjustment of the debt Which were neither more nor less than that he should have the whole estate paying a small weekly stipend for life to the prisoners father The prisoner was willing to agree, providing some provision should be made for his sister. But the father indignantly spurned the offer, and turned Mr. Keegan out of the house in no very gentle manner. The prisoner followed him into the avenue, still wishing to come to some arrangement. But the attorney was so enraged at the conduct of the father, that instead of listening to the son, he began abusing the whole family and as you have heard applied the most shameful epithet to the sister with which the tongue of a man can defile the name of a woman he afterwards struck the prisoner who was unarmed heavily with his stick and i have no hesitation in telling you that that quarrel in which no blame appears to have been attributable to the young man placed him in that dock Brady the confidential servant of the prisoner Both saw and overheard what took place at this interview as he has told you and he afterwards as he will not deny though He will not confess it incited his master during the period of his natural irritation To go down to the wedding party to meet a number of his tenants who would be willing to assist him in Revenging himself against his enemy Keegan the attorney if he would assist them against their enemy Usher the revenue officer and Here my client made one false step and the only one which I can trace to him and Committed that folly from which this bitter foe has thought to ruin him Irritated by the blow his ear still ringing with the infamous name applied to his loved sister Full of his father's wrong and his own hard condition He consented to meet men whose object he knew was illegal though what their plans were he was entirely ignorant with reference to what took place at the wedding i have in the first place to remark that from the character of this man brady i could confidently call upon you to reject every word of his evidence and i shall presently show you in what respects and why you are bound to do so but in the present instance i am satisfied to tell you that my client did attend that meeting but mind that was no illegal meeting it was not secret The door was not locked nor even closed. It was a party of men met at the wedding of one of their own station The woman to be married was a sister of the prisoner's servant and it was natural that he should be present He directs me positively to tell you that he did attend that meeting though I also tell you with confidence that he committed no crime in doing so and his lordship will corroborate what I tell you it was however a part of the plan organized against the prisoner that he should be induced to commit an illegal act and he was as you have heard brought when drunk to promise that he would go down to mrs mulready's to take upon himself illegal oaths and obligations on the following day he was invited by this same brady to come on a certain evening but mcdermott was no longer drunk he was no longer infuriated by the gross outrages he had received and what did he do then did he go to mrs Mulready's to settle the particulars of this murder which he is said to have premeditated Did he join these outlaws of whom he is represented to have been the leader? Did he even send them an encouraging message a word of fellowship? No Even by the testimony of this man now so anxious to hang his benefactor This man who by his own showing was at the same time in the pay of the prisoner and of his enemy Keegan He indignantly repudiated the idea he at once informed this wretch Equally a traitor to his Confederates and to his master that he would have nothing in common with them or their schemes And although threatened with the vengeance of the party and with the authority of a magistrate steadily refused Even to enter the house in which they were accustomed to assemble Why from what I can learn of the young man and of his daily habits I do not conceive that there is one of yourselves who would not be as likely to join an illegal society as he would patient under poverty Industrious under accumulated sufferings he has led a life which would not have disgraced a priest He has been ever found sincere in his thoughts Moral in his conduct and most unselfish in his actions is This the man to join a set of senseless rioters furious at the imprisonment of their relatives and Anxious only to protect their illicit stills and This is no empty praise That what I have said of the prisoner is no more than is his due will be proved to you by evidence Which I defy you to doubt well he did not go to mrs mulready's but he did go to his friend the priest mr mcgrath and not as a penitent to his confessor but as a friend to a friend told him exactly what had passed lamented his indiscretion and declared his determination never to put himself in the way of repeating it up to this time my chief object has been to show to you the enmity existing between keegan and the prisoner the object which the former had in view in ruining the prisoner and that Brady was a paid spy employed to entrap him I shall now come to the deed itself and I shall afterwards refer to what absolutely did take place at the meeting at the wedding I have told you that young McDermott did kill the deceased He struck him with the stick which has been shown to you in court and as he was rising from the blow He struck him again and no doubt the medical witness was right in his opinion that the second blow occasioned instant death. You are, however, aware that circumstances might exist which would justify any man in taking the life of another. If a man were violently to attack you, and you were to strike him on the head and kill him, you would be justified. If you were to kill a man in a fray, in fair defence of a third party, You would be justified if you were to kill a man by a blow in the quarrel of a moment You would not be guilty of murder But I can fancy no case in which death However much it may be lamented can lay less of the murderous stain upon the hand that inflicts it Than one in which a brother interferes to rescue a sister from the violent grasp of a seducer Such was precisely the case in the instance now before us my learned friend on the other side has truly told you that miss MacDermot, the prisoner's sister had consented to elope with captain Usher on the evening on which that man was killed You have learnt from evidence which you have no reason to doubt that she had prepared to do so In fact you cannot doubt that she left the house of Ballycloran for that purpose This has been proved but there are circumstances beyond this on which it is essentially necessary that you should have evidence and this evidence can only be given by the young lady herself I shall therefore have to bring her before you When my learned friend told you that he would not call upon her nor question her unless placed in that chair by me He forgot his usual candor and assumed to himself credit for humanity to which he has no title He himself has nothing to learn from her as he will prove to you if he attempts to cross-examine her Moreover he was as fully aware as I am myself that the prisoner must rely on her alone for anything like a true account of the affray The brother and the sister are the only living witnesses of that scene He has within him that high consciousness of innocence and rectitude of intention which has enabled him to bear his sufferings, his imprisonment, and the misery of his position, with a fortitude which I not only admire, but envy, and that can avail nothing with you. From the sister's lips you must hear the only account which you can receive, and if we find that she has been unable to recall the dreadful circumstances of that night, that fact will bear me out in the history of the occurrence which I am now going to give you. Mr. O'Malley then gave as exact an account of the occurrence as he had been able to collect from Thady from Feeney's evidence before the coroner And from such words as mrs. McEwen had been able to extract from Feeney on the subject He then continued when the prisoner struck usher He had some of the knowledge of what the burden was which this man was dragging Solely from the words which the man had used Miss MacDermot was lying senseless in his arms and supporting her by her waist. He was forcing her down the Avenue The words he used were this is damned nonsense. You must come now Then the brother perceived the fate to which this man was not alluring but forcing his sister at that moment and it was the only one in which the prisoner had to judge of the circumstances of the case She was not in the act of eloping willingly She had seen her brother's form and had refused or been unable to rise from the timber on which she was seated She was forced from thence by this man Whose death protects him from the language in which his name would otherwise be mentioned She fainted in his arms and only came to her senses to find her lover dead and her brother standing beside her red with his blood yes he had avenged her he had punished the ruffian for his barbarity towards her and saved his sister from the ignominy to which mr frederick brown told you with so much flippancy that she had been doomed if this was the young man's conduct was there anything in it that you can even blame which of you would have done otherwise which of you will tell me that in avenging the wrongs of a sister or of a daughter He would pause to measure the weight of his stick or the number of his blows Fancy each of you that you see the form of her you love best in the rough grasp of a violent seducer Endeavor to bring home to yourselves the feelings to which such a sight would give rise within you and then if you can Find that young man guilty of murder because his heart was warm to feel his sister's wrongs and his hand was strong to avenge them you have been told that as the prisoner had met certain persons for the purpose of entering into a conspiracy of murdering Usher and that that fact would be proved to you you are bound to consider that his coming across Usher was not accidental and that the manner in which he attacked that man whilst carrying off his sister was a part of his preconcerted plan I first of all deny that any credible evidence any evidence worthy of the slightest belief has been brought before you to induce you to suppose that the prisoner had even joined any such conspiracy instead of which you have strong circumstantial evidence that he had never done so you have most of you no doubt heard on various occasions from different learned judges seated on that bench that a crown approver's evidence is to be taken with the greatest caution and only to be believed in detail when corroborated by other evidence or by circumstances. Now, this man Brady, on whose sole evidence you are desired to convict the prisoner, has shown himself an approver of the very worst description. You are aware that he was the prisoner's servant, that he is now Mr. Keegan's, and there has been long enmity between these men, that the former has been an oppressed debtor, the latter a most oppressive creditor. Mr. Keegan's spirit towards the prisoner's family you may learn from the scandalous and unwarrantable language Which has been proved to you to have been used by him towards them? Mr. Keegan's acerbity has been increased by the mutilation he has undergone and which he conceives he owes to his interference with the Ballycloran property This man and the witness Brady have as you have heard constantly been talking over this trial and the attorney it seems has repeatedly expressed to his servant his ardent wish that the prisoner might be hung This is his expressed eager desire and then this new servant But long-used spy comes forward boldly to swear away the prisoner's life Why it would be ridiculing you to suppose you could believe him Then look at the man's character. He was a constant attendant at that scene of villainy into which he vainly endeavoured to seduce the prisoner at mrs mulready's it is plain enough that Usher's death was a constant theme of discourse at that haunt it is plain enough that a project did exist there to accomplish his murder and is it not plain enough that this man was one of the conspirators one of the murderers Would he have been admitted to their councils to their dangerous secrets unless he had been an active participator in their plans Would they have taken in his presence a solemn oath to put this unfortunate revenue officer under the sod Unless he had joined in that oath of course they would not And this is the man whom they expected you to believe with such confidence that on his Unsupported evidence you should condemn the prisoner what I have said to you respecting this respectable witness and his not less respectable master Will perhaps be made somewhat plainer to you when you shall have heard the evidence which I hope to extract from the latter Now as to the meeting at mrs. Mean's, Even were you to believe Brady I maintain that nothing whatever has been proved against the prisoner Brady states that at mrs. Mulready's certain men swore together that at a certain period Captain Usher should be under the sod This phrase brings to the mind of everyone the conviction that they meant to express murder The man could not be under the sod unless he were dead But at the wedding when young MacDermot was present even by the showing of Brady himself the men were afraid to use such a phrase they implored their landlord's assistance to help them to rid the country of him to frighten him off To make the place too hot to hold him as I told that wretched reptile whilst in the chair They would have no more dared to propose a scheme of murder to young MacDermot, even in his drunkenness than they would have to you or to me now as to the probability of the prisoners having been aware of his sister's project for eloping and having made use of that opportunity for the safe execution of a scheme of murder and this perhaps is the most material point of all for were there good grounds to suppose that he knew that this elopement was to take place that he took no precautionary steps to prevent it but that having this previous knowledge he rushed out at the time and killed the man i should be very far from telling you That he was perfectly justified as I do now But I must positively maintain that you cannot come to such a conclusion It has to a degree been proved to you and will be so more clearly that the prisoner had all along Shown himself averse to the intimacy which existed between Usher and his sister It is therefore to be presumed that both of them took every means in their power to prevent the prisoner from learning their intention And there is every reason to suppose they were successful Two persons appear to have been told as their services were required Both of whom have been examined before you the servant girl and mr. Frederick Brown The former has sworn that she mentioned it to no one and there is no reason to disbelieve her The latter proved himself not so trustworthy it seems that with that foolish flippancy Which distinguishes him he told his friend's secret to other friends of his as a good joke But you must remember that mr Brown's friends were not the prisoners friends that they rather were in such different circles That what was said to one would be very little likely to find its way into the other and above all that those to whom mr Brown or his friends communicated it would think that the brother was the last person who should be told of it Again had the prisoner known the projected elopement and Intended to make use of it for the perpetration of a preconcerted murder would he Could he have acted as he did could he have waited for such an unexpected? Accident as his sister's fainting before he drew near to his victim His sister had walked down the Avenue and after waiting some time in the road returned and sat down upon a fallen tree It was while so seated that she heard the brother open the hall door Had she as she expected met her lover at the hour appointed They would have been far beyond the prisoners reach before he had left the house Would he have allowed this to be the case had it been his intention to take advantage of the opportunity? It is absurd to argue on such a point it is unnecessary almost to call your attention to things which must so manifestly present themselves to you the whole of this case has received additional weight and importance from official authority it has been considered worthy of especial government interference my learned friend has come express from the metropolis for the purpose of conducting it a rumour has been spread abroad that most conclusive evidence would be produced to prove that a prisoner from the better orders of society had joined and headed one of those illegal bodies of men whose existence is supposed to be the cause of the troubles of this distracted country and that he had in unison with these schemes committed a foul and deliberate murder and my learned friend has not hesitated to tell you that it is essentially necessary to use the utmost extent of legal severity That an end may be put to the agrarian outrages which are now becoming so frightfully prevalent in the country Has anything been proved to warrant this official zeal this government interference? No nothing not one iota But still these paraphernalia of office this more than ordinary Anxiety to obtain a verdict may have an effect upon your minds most prejudicial to my client i have no doubt as to your actual verdict i have no doubt that you will nay i know that you must acquit that young man of murder but i beseech you to remember that though in the indictment he has been charged with murder only he has been by the servant of government by my learned friend on the other side accused of other grievous crimes and i implore you by your verdict to purge his character of the stain which has been so unjustly attached to it if you find on examination of the evidence no cause to suppose that he had been a participator in the councils of such societies I Beseech you to do him that justice which can now only be done by the strong expression of your unanimous assurance of absolute innocence i beseech you to reject from your minds those preconceived opinions so injurious to the prisoner with which the present unfortunate state of your country may so naturally have influenced you and to remember that it is your duty as jurors to confine yourself to the individual case before you and that the doctrine laid down by my learned friend that you should make an example in one case for the sake of prevention of crimes in others is most unconstitutional And would imply that whilst the solemn oath you have taken is still vibrating in your ears your object should be far wide From that for which you have been assembled that of making a fair and true trial between your sovereign and the prisoner I Shall now call a few witnesses and then leave the case with confidence in your hands End of section 41